that is so hard when they're they're young and even walking to the mailbox. You you can't just walk to the mailbox because there might be a kid pulling a drawer down in, in the bath or you're just very it's smothering honestly when they're little and you can't have 10 minutes without arranging for everyone before you, you know, have your 10 minutes. And that's hard. And I think sometimes these moms just need some validation. That this is this is a tough period. I see you. I support you. Life gets easier if we figure it out together. Welcome to The Lisa Show. Welcome to a special edition of The Council of Moms. With us today we have... I'm Taylor Ricks. I have four little kids, um, 11, 9, and two seven-year-olds, so we're in the thick of it, and it's a lot of fun. I'm Angie King. I have five kids. My oldest is 22 and my youngest is 10, and we live in a lot of worlds. I have two kids in college, one in high school, one in junior high, and one in elementary. So it's it's emotional. It's busy. It's crazy. I'm here for the <laughs> advice. Well, so am I, Angie. So who's going to help us? I'm Jeanette Bennett. I also have five kids. I have two graduating from college. Uh, both are married, so I'm also a mother-in-law, two in high school, and a 10-year-old. So lots of things happening, and I'm a different mom now than I was for the first, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I think we can all relate to that, right? This is why we're here at the council, right? We're all in this together. We're here just to support each other, to get things um, kind of started off, right, like kicked off. I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions. Don't overthink them. Just the first thing that comes to your mind is usually the most honest reaction. We'll just go down the line. Are you ready? Ready for rapid fire. (laughs) Okay. The greatest thing to come out of the COVID pandemic for you? Oh, I think it stripped away everything. And so then we only added back like what we really needed. So... I miss COVID. I know that's really selfish to say because it's actually a really horrible thing. But I loved at the beginning when we were just all stuck together. It's like a mother's dream to be like, (laughs) hello, everyone. We're all together. We're going to watch a movie together. We're going to bake together and no one can leave and you can't have friends. So I miss it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I missed all the time at home. And also, uh, I got more sleep during COVID for sure. And I feel like I heard the birds like honestly for the first time in my life. Because life was still and we were home. And I'm like, wow, there are a lot of birds in this world. So it was cool just to notice little things that I was too busy to notice before. I love that. Okay. Is your house the party house or the quiet house? Oh, I have dreams that it's the party house, but I think they all leave and go party at their friends. So dang it. I try. (laughs) It just depends. I think my younger kids are at my house a lot. My older kids seem to go to friends, but I feel like once my kids are dating someone, I feel like we're kind of more the party house. I feel like they come to our house a lot when they're dating someone because I'm so impressive. So, <laughs> <laughs> And I win them over with my pantry. So I do have a lot of the teenagers, the two in high school, have friends over a lot, and I love it. We built a new house during COVID and with the idea of the basement being a place they would want to come. So it has popcorn and drinks and a place for them to be, and I love it. I want to be the party house. My kids have told me that I want it too bad. <laughs> so I don't get it. Maybe yeah, someday. someday. <laughs> what is your mom's superpower? Mm. I am like really good at systems. So we can get a system for anything and just get things going really smooth. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I pass. Just kidding. I'm thinking. I don't know. I think that I'm good in conflict sometimes. I think I have a really, I have an ability to remain calm and not match levels. I think that's something I've learned to do, but I think it's becoming a superpower. So that's awesome. I feel like, and this comes from maybe my training as a journalist, but I feel like I'm a really good listener and I can read body language. So I'm, I'm reading what they're saying with their words and with their facial expressions. And so I can usually tell what's going on. If they're lying. Which, Ooh, oh, oh if they're lying, absolutely. Ooh, that is <laughs> You can tell a lot by eye contact or no eye contact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm an empath, it's my so I can feel my kids' feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scary. It comes with a price. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, this is a really important one. Super stew. Mm. Stew. I love soup and my family hates it. And I love stew too. I love all of the runny dinners. And my kids are always mad at me because I'm always making super stew. So I can't really choose. It's like choosing between my two favorite foods. So 
both. So I don't make soup or stew unless Campbell's or Neater's <laughs> counts. Sure. Uh, but I would say soup. I ate a lot of soup as a child. My mom had a very, I'm very opposite of her, but everything was very predictable, very system. And so on Saturdays for lunch was always soup. How funny. So, yeah. That's I'm a soup gal. My kids about six months ago, I have two at home, sat me down and they said, I don't, we don't know why you make soup. We will never eat it again. We will never eat soup. And I thought, that's pretty declarative at your age, just to cut out an entire food. That's like my kids, but I don't, I don't listen. Yeah. I just continue to make soup because it's delicious. I'm going to do that. It's my tip. Because I've missed soup. Who, but then who you'll would have known? Here we are. But then you'll be the one eating at least <laughs> I know. for weeks. Well, yeah, so. and that's my <laughs> consolation. I'll take it. <laughs> What's the thing you are looking most forward toward when you become an empty nester? Well, I have a child with Down syndrome, so I get a buddy for life. <laughs> so I'm actually really grateful for that. But I'm excited to do adventures just with him and I and maybe go mm -hmm. bug all his siblings and <laughs> all of his nieces and nephews and my grandkids and stuff. So I think that'll be fun. <laughs> I am so excited just for quiet, just to have a day where I don't get a text from my kids. This makes me sound like the worst mom ever. I'm glad I'm here. Um, <laughs> just to have a day where I don't get a million requests. Like lately, I just feel like my kids are constantly like, hey, what are you doing right now? Like I'm doing nothing, right? And mm -hmm. can you come bring me this? Or I have a headache. I feel like it's, I don't really feel like I have a day where I don't have a, a several requests. So I am looking forward to just not having requests. But I kind of wonder if that'll even happen, you know, because they might get married and continue the requests. Yeah. Babysitting. And then they have kids. And I don't know. You'll yeah, have to exactly. tell me about that, Jeanette, yeah, for I'll, sure. I don't know yet, but I'll, I'll let you know. We'll have another council yes. discuss. <laughs> so two things. One, I'm looking forward to my things staying in the same place. I have three daughters, and my clothes and shoes and jewelry and makeup all wander off. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to just having that where it belongs. And then also, I'm looking forward to going to bed when I want to go to bed. I don't always wait up for my daters. I hope they don't listen to this and know that um, because sometimes I fall asleep and then when the door opens, I, you know, wake up. But uh, I'm looking forward to just chilling, you know. They, yeah. can, they can go to bed when they go to bed and I'm just going to go to bed at 10 p.m. I think that'll be nice. I like this. This is helpful for me because every time I think about it, I just get really sad. Like, just me and my dog. Sad. Mm. And your yeah. soup. Soup. And my soup. You can make soup every <laughs> night. Soup. <laughs> no one will care. I live an exciting life. <laughs> um, it's not allowed to be diamonds. What is your best friend? Chocolate, of course. If it can be, they're in the same family, but of course, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like sweets and foods and everything that's food. I like food. And I'm going to go with Amazon. They can get you stuff. 24 mm -hmm. hours. And it's just, it's so often that I'm just like, oh, I need this. And I, I think I can wait till tomorrow because I don't want to go to Walmart right, right now. <laughs> so I, Amazon and I have become close. Yeah, yeah. So helpful. So it, helpful. A lot of errands for you. That is a good exactly. best friend. And a lifetime supply of cardboard boxes. Oh, yeah. Right <laughs> that so, too. Yeah. That too to make things out of, I think. No, for me, it's uh, TV. TV's never let me down. Has been there oh, through thick and thin. That is a good one. You know, yeah. So what never do you let watch? me down. Never. What are your Always favorite there shows? For me. Too too many to list here today. It depends on you know my mood, and that's the other thing that's so great about TV. There's something for every mood, every situation. Yes, mm -hmm. bingo. Maybe we live I'll in the golden age of TV. Food. <laughs> like, oh. listen. Okay, night owl or morning lark. I feel like I should not be the first one to answer every time. <laughs> You're like, you all come up with I'm like, I love Amazon too. <laughs> and TV. Um, I think I'm probably more of a night owl with a spirit of wanting to be a morning lark, like so bad. Because I know I accomplish more in the morning, but if we're being honest, definitely night owl. And can I just say ditto? That was perfect. Like, I know if I get up early, I'm going to love it. I'm never going to regret it, but it's really hard for me. I always thought there would be a day that I would be like my mom and just be getting up at five and doing all the things, but I'm not. Every morning is a chore to get up. So, And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually a morning person. So I, I like to get up before everybody else because any hour before your kids are up is worth at least two hours. That's true. No one's interrupting you. The phone's not ringing. And, and so that's like my natural thing. It's hard when I'm up late the night before. Mm -hmm. Like last night I had a scared kid in my room, you know. So, uh, you know, I was up later than I wanted to be. But 
But like when I'm an empty nester, I'll be the 5 a.m.er do for you, sure. Do you take naps? Sometimes. Okay. I feel like I couldn't do that without a nap. Yeah, sometimes I take a 20-minute nap. but well, I mean, that's like once or twice a week maybe, <laughs> okay, you know? Okay, okay. I don't yeah. know about 20 minutes as a nap. <laughs> We I'm do really a whole picky council about of moms on, about naps yeah. and the right way to take a nap. Yeah. And do not wake your mom up during a nap. Oh. My kids know it's very sacred time for me. Yeah. And if a salesman knocks on the door during your nap, ooh. Ooh. Oh. The you rat. thought I wasn't going to buy from you before. Now hear what I have to say. <laughs> no one I know will ever buy anything from you or your children for generations. <laughs> I'm getting on the group Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is how serious Ruined we feel nap. about a nap. Hoy. <laughs> Okay, hardest part of motherhood. Let's start at this end. <laughs> Let's You're do that. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's being consistent. I, I feel like a lot of times my reaction to things depends more on where I'm at in my emotion and stress than actually what their behavior was. So I'm working on becoming more consistent. It's, it's hard because one, one kid will do one thing. They're late to school and I'm upset and the other kid's late. And I'm like, I don't even say anything. That's not fair. They, they let me know that for sure too. Yeah. So consistency is hard for me. Yeah. I have a hard time emotionally. I have a really hard time not taking on their feelings um, and wanting to just take it away from them. I, I mean, I thought junior high and high school were hard on my own, but I would do it for them. Like, I wish I could just take the heartbreak they have because I hate watching them have heartbreak. It really, like, breaking up with boyfriends or girlfriends or not having friends at school or not making the college team your senior year. Like, those are things that I—it's just almost unbearable when my child has heartache, and I'd rather take it, shoulder all of that than have them go through it. So that's the hardest for me. Oh, I agree. Um, I think for me is like I I look too far down the road and then get mm. worried about ten years from now if they're going to have friends at this place, you know. Instead of just being like, let's just handle today and focus on today. And so I just need to not be so worried about so far down the road. Sometimes, oh, even if it's six months great. from now. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great point. Ugh. Yeah. Okay, what's your mom jam? Like this, the song that like encapsulates or just that your journey through motherhood or that you just love. Do you want like a beat, uplifting? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Drop a beat if you feel it. <laughs> I don't want to hold you back. I'll Thank give you a second. Thinking. I mean, this is serious. This is Thinking. a. This is probably serious. the most important this question. This defines who we are. Yeah. It, you'll uh, yeah. be asked all day. I just feel like y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here. <laughs> That's like the first song that came to mind, but it shouldn't have been. Oh, right, but yeah. love it. <laughs> Why is the only song I think of, and this is, Money makes the world. That has nothing to do with motherhood. But I, sure motherhood is all that's coming to me. Sure it does. That's funny. It's yeah. pure. It is. It comes from a very pure place because that's what came to me. Sorry. Hmm. So so mine, and I'm going to sing it because oh. like. Oh, good. <gasps> this is awesome. Brace yourselves. Another turning point, a fork stuck mm. in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. I hope you had the time of your life, you know. That's my senior year. Because I'm feeling that. very reflective right now with the changes in my family, and and I'm looking back and and wishing it gone slower. People say it goes fast, and it does not sometimes. But then when you get to a graduation or a milestone, or when someone's moving out, and you're just like, I see you as a cute little four year old, you know. So that's my mantra right now. Really reflective. Oh, mm. I love it. Did you say yours? You should I've, say one. I, I have weird songs popping into my head right now. It's I have Annie Lennox is Walking on Broken Glass, <laughs> which is not. <laughs> walking on Broken Glass, which is not really like how I feel about motherhood. But like, it's just, there's too many. But now I'm getting very emotional because, or like Uncharted. Have you oh. ever heard that song? And it's just like how you just. It's not what you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Which is in, in wonderful and horrible ways. Because yes. the yes. heartbreak of, I'm also in a place right now where I'm feeling really reflective of like, I have two kids that are leaving the state, leaving, oh. like that won't be close soon. And it's like, everyone's like, all my kids are like, how you doing, mom? How you Because they know I'm very sentimental and I just, this is great. This is what I taught you to do, to go out and be independent and on your own. I'm very happy. Why? I'm a good actress. You know, and they're like, okay, you know, so. 
But it's hard. And I never thought about my mom's perspective when I moved out. Me neither. I, I really didn't. I was sure she didn't really miss me that much at all. But now that I'm in this position, it's hard. I know. I've talked to my mom about it. I was like, sorry. And she goes, oh, my gosh, you were crying over a boyfriend. You didn't even care that you were leaving your dad and me. And I was like, no, I didn't. Yeah. Like, I just mm-hmm. thought this is what you do. And I was so excited to go to college and... She's like, it was so hard just to drop you off at college and then drive home across three states. And I was like, I had never (laughs) thought about it. Isn't that Mm -hmm. so true that I feel like it's reflective both ways because I'm reflecting on my kids when they're young, but I'm also reflecting on my parents a lot. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of I'm sorry's with too much. There's a lot of, oh, I guess we're all just doing the best we can. (laughs) I'll start and judge you. (laughs) Because it's hard. Yeah. Okay, last one. Whitney Houston wrote, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. What is the most important thing that we teach them? Give you a second. Even though these are rapid fire, let's start with you. I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and I think that there's so much confusion in the world right now, and I'm going to get a little religious, but for me, I feel like if there's one thing I can teach my children, it's their divine identity, that they are children of heavenly parents who love them. If that's the one thing I can teach my children and that they can really internalize and believe, that would be awesome. If I could, if I had any goal, that's what I want to teach them and what I want them to leave me knowing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the perfect answer. I know. (laughs) So I think I would add emotional intelligence and emotional resiliency. I think with my oldest, you know, he got every paper in on time, aced everything, and I, I really thought maybe accomplishments were more important. And as I've evolved as a mom, seen my older kids grow up, I own a company too. So when I see what what employees, what the benefits that they bring, it's really more of the emotional intelligence and kindness. You can teach tasks and perfection does, isn't required anyway, you know, but it's that just being able to handle emotions and be kind to others and work well with others, that is really more important. Um, I think for me, it's more um, helping them learn how to really make important decisions on their own, how to ponder things out, study things out, pray about it, and really feel confident in that decision and moving forward. Because if I can give them like little things, well, because my kids are obviously little, but like smaller things that are big to them that they have to like work through and figure out and like really feel good and confident in the answer. And then if it doesn't work out how they thought or whatever, they have practice for that because I feel like... A lot of times we start doing that when we choose our college. Like, like that's yeah. the first thing you really pray about or something like that. And then um, you feel like, oh, maybe I made the wrong choice or maybe I did the wrong thing. And so I think just learning how to really get answers for themselves and know things for themselves is so important. Great answers. Like that too, like letting them fail. I think that's really something I've struggled with is letting them fail. Mm-hmm. But yeah. teaching them that failure is part of life and starting that early, I think you're so smart to be thinking about that now. I wish I had thought of that earlier. I had a good mom who let me fail a lot. <laughs> Thanks, mom. But no, that's how I didn't think of it on my own. I learned a lot from failing young. So. And honestly, it builds confidence mm-hmm. because if you fail and life doesn't end— people still like you, <laughs> then you realize, oh, I I am a good person and a worthy person and the person people love, not based on whether I succeeded or failed. And it, it really is a confidence booster Yeah, to fail I, life goes on. My oldest daughter, my two daughters dance. I have two daughters and they both dance. And they dance for a high school that wins a lot. But my older daughter, every year they took second in state. And it was really hard because it would be so close. And it was like, does the same school have to win every time? Because we'd really like to win. And now that daughter, she's she's not in high school anymore. She's she's graduated and she's coaching. And my younger daughter's on the team. And my younger daughter has won two years in a row. And I'm a little nervous because she doesn't know what it's like to lose. They won one, they lost one competition um, before state and she did not, my daughter did not know how to lose, my younger daughter. And I I, I want them to win always, mm-hmm. but it is interesting how it, my older daughter has taught her so much and helped her through things where she loses that she has no control over. She handles it really well. So It's such a hard question, you know, what's the one thing that you want your kids? Because we want everything for them. I mean, let's be, be honest, but I like the focuses that you have on like 
you know, like who they are and, and what really matters in life. And I know for for me and especially for my late husband, it was so important that our kids were like the nice kids. It was the biggest compliment when somebody would be like, oh, your kids are so kind. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if we hear something like that, that more than the accomplishments and things, which I've changed my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that And it is like, I think I read somewhere that you should, you should be better at complimenting your kids' attributes than their talents. Mm-hmm. That was so kind of you. Not You're so good at dancing, singing, playing the yeah, piano. You're a hard worker. Yeah, you're a hard worker. You're, you're determined. Yeah, I noticed that you helped that teammate when they felt bad about whatever they did wrong or whatever. So. Well, now that we've figured out motherhood, yeah. I think that it's good <laughs> for us to take on some questions. We have um, people who, some mothers who have called in asking for specific advice for the Council of Moms. So let's hear the first one. My name is Sage Perez, and my question for the Council of Moms is, um, what made you decide to become a mom? And I know that sometimes it's not always like a conscious decision, so I just wanted to hear what their experience was like becoming a mom and choosing to become a mom. And if you didn't decide, uh, how do you feel about it now? So I, growing up, I have five sisters. I still do. (laughs) Had have five (laughs) sisters. They all loved babysitting. They would make babysitting kits. And if there was a baby at church, they wanted to hold it. That was not me. I was really into school. I got a job as soon as I could and envisioned a career and, and saw myself in a big city and everything. And of course I envisioned being a mom, but like I mostly focused on the other because I felt like my sisters have got that. You know, they'll be good at that. And uh, then I got married at 20 and was, and I finished a bachelor's and a master's and was envisioning my career, but it like filled my soul one day with this desire to be a mom. I'm really glad because I think I would have logically waited longer, but I, I was just like, all of a sudden, I want to do this. And so became a mom at 23 and uh, left my job. But then I became an entrepreneur because I was a mom. That was the really pivotal thing for me is I rethought it. I'm like, I want to be home, but I still have other things I want to do. So started a business, which has been a huge blessing. So for me, it was such a gift from from God, I feel, to fill me with desire because I wasn't getting there naturally on, in my logical mind. And I, and I wasn't sure I'd be great at it. But as soon as my baby was born, I just was, you know, those maternal instincts take over. I still don't really want to tend other people's kids. <laughs> I don't want to run a daycare, but my own kids, I love so much. You know, and I haven't been the same mom as my sisters have been or that my mom was, but but when it was my own kids, I had the instincts that I needed. Hmm. I... um. That was kind of a funny question for me because I'm very typical Utah. I got married when I was 19 years old, and exactly 11 months later, I had a baby. So life came at us really fast, and I wouldn't say it was a conscious decision without getting into it. It wasn't what we were planning on. It was a surprise. And um, so I don't, I don't feel like I ever had like, I'm going, I, it's time for us to have a family. Like that never really happened. But um, I do think I'm not a naturally nurturing person. I don't like to make dinners. I don't like to do laundry. I don't like to do those things. And that's been really hard for me. I work and I've, I've had to find motherhood like after I became a mom. And I think what's helped me is I've tried to find what works for me and I I do things, like you said, with being an entrepreneur, I work for someone, but I found that when I'm busy and doing something on my own, I'm actually a much better mom. Um, and I still don't like to do laundry or, and I'm not, I'm not a mom that cuddles my kids when they are sad. They, they almost go to their dad more than me. So I've just had to learn what, what I'm good at. And I've had to just come, I've had to be okay with the fact that I'm not the mom who bakes cookies for when my kids come home from school. I do other things for them. So I don't know if that makes any sense. Totally. Yeah. It's your own flavor of motherhood, which I think is so important that we all embrace. And and not only just allow other women to, but like we but like encourage us all to be different like that and to play into our own strengths because it is job specific to our particular kids. Right. And what they need. Right. Yeah. Well, and just 
motherhood is not doing laundry and baking cookies. True. And, you know, like I eat yeah. cookies with or without having children and sure. had laundry <laughs> good point. before good they point. were born, you know. So um, I think sometimes I think we think motherhood and we think mopping floors and doing dishes and laundry and stuff like that. So I did not choose to do that. <laughs> you know, that wasn't like the conscious choice. But I think at first, like for me, choosing to be a mom was like, that's what we do. Like I'm married now. I finished school or whatever. And I guess now I'm having babies um, because that's just what we always did. And I love babies, so that's great. But I think that like you were saying, too, is like once that baby's like in your arms and then all of a sudden it just kind of takes over and you're the mom that that baby needs you to be. So it wasn't, I don't know. Yeah. And it's true. I think it's hard because I think our, our mothers were the mothers who just, did motherhood a certain way. And to us, that's the definition of motherhood. And so I think a lot of women my age struggle because they don't fit the same mold their mom did. So they don't, like like you said, like like it isn't laundry and doing dishes. But for our moms, it was. So it's hard for us when it, that doesn't feel like a natural fit. Um, but I found I had an aunt once tell me too when I was having a hard time that it's when you do your laundry, not that it's about laundry, not that your spouses or children can't help you, but it's such an important piece too. you're serving and to like look at it more as service and how that can fulfill you instead of like mundane things. So you can also teach your children to do their own laundry, which is helpful. So I always felt really unique and maybe it's just because where I, I grew up in the Midwest or something like that, but I always wanted to be a mom. And I was that like little girl that just wanted to play with baby dolls forever and loved to babysit. And I just knew I wanted to be a mom. And I knew that I wanted to have a career and stuff too. I just was raised like thinking, oh yeah, you can you can do it all. You just can't do it all at the same time. But I always felt like I kind of had to hide that because it wasn't super popular to like want to be a mom and have a lot of kids. And I remember when my husband and I were like dating and things like that of just being like really like, just so you know, I want to have a bunch of kids. And I remember he was like, oh, I don't know if I want to have a bunch of kids. And I was like, well, this might be a problem. So his idea, he was one of nine kids. And he was thinking that's what I meant. I was one of five. I was thinking, oh, like four or five. And he was like, yeah, I don't want a lot of kids. I only want like four or five. <laughs> and I was like, oh, our dip. And, and if you look, though, most people don't have that. I mean, that's a ton of kids. Five is the modern nine. Right. That's what I'm saying. Totally. And so I always felt like I had to be careful who I shared that with and what I wanted. And I couldn't because... It's not like a cool or popular thing to like want to do. And then once I became a mom, I thought, well, who cares? Like everyone's just living their lives. Mm -hmm. If, you know, live your best life, everyone says, right? Well, this is it. And my transformation, I think, with motherhood is in trying to like figure out, well, what is motherhood? Is it cleaning? Is it staying home? Is it working? And like that sort of definition, I kind of, it took me years to come to terms with what it meant for me, right? And now motherhood feels differently because it was easier and happier to do it with a partner. And being a single mom has changed the way that I see motherhood and what my role is and has really like just stripped it down to like the bare bones. And so that's interesting that I'm still learning. I'm like, sorry, kids. <laughs> Your mom <laughs> still learning, learning but it's, what we're doing I, and what the program is. Yeah, and I see that because as as we're talking about what it is, it's so individual. Yeah. And then when you have your spouse, your, some of our spouses kind of bleed over into what people define as motherhood and things they do, and some don't. We might bleed over into like some, some women might be— might be. I sound like I am 75. Some, <laughs> some women might be the providers. Like, I'm sorry, all women of the world. That, I, that just came out of my mouth. But, but I think that we all kind of have our own blend of what works to make, because at the end, your house, whether your kids help you or your husband, there are things that have to be done. And I think everyone's blend is a little bit different. And it is constantly changing when you have kids move out. If you lose a spouse, if you get divorced, um, there's all sorts of complications. Yeah, that your have economic situation, yes. all of that changes that relationship. And that's what it is, you know, mm -hmm. your relationship with your kids. Like, what is the core elements of motherhood of that relationship? I got two pieces of advice that shaped how I looked at things. They helped me see that I didn't have to have the perfectly clean house, which was never going to happen for me anyway. So it was, think of your house as a factory, not a museum. 
This isn't a place where everything should look perfect and people are coming to judge your dust or anything like that. But it's a factory where human beings are being created and formed and and becoming who they're going to be and it's there's going to be messes and there's going to be you know things that work and things that don't work uh and the other one um was that you're not you're not forming your kids you are helping them discover themselves and that was an evolution for me because i i kind of had some ideas i wanted my kids to be good at school and involved in sports. And some of it was me living through them of things I didn't do and <laughs> didn't get to do or wasn't good at. Uh, and then I realized, no, it's just about helping them, opening the doors so they can discover and become themselves. It's not up to me to form them into perfect human beings. It's just being there to have those conversations and help them, you know, come out of their cocoon and become the butterflies of, that oh, they're supposed to be. Perfect. Let's listen to the next question. Um, it's a it's a different topic. My name is Diana Aveda. Um, I have two girls. I have a two-year-old and I have a three-month-old. And my question is, what discipline methods uh, people use? Because I want to learn about different perspectives. <laughs> I'm, I'm still that's working so, on this. That's so hard. This is a hard one, I think. Because I've tried things, and usually it ends me going like this. I don't know, guys. Just go to school and hand in your work. I don't, what do you? It's just me, like becoming yeah. exasperated and then trailing off, and then them feeling sorry for like you know what I mean, like the whole. Yeah, I will we're going to do this. Every kid is different. Yes. I've right. I've tried a lot of different things. What about you? Me too. I will say the only regrets I have looking back are times I disciplined too hard. Mm. Um, really? Yeah. Like when my oldest was being toilet trained, he, he's been a super easy kid except for the toilet training, and it did not go well. And I read in a book, when they have an accident, put him in a cold tub and just let him scream mm. and like shame them basically. <sighs> yeah. So I did that, and it was horrific. And I'm standing outside the bathroom crying, and he's in the cold tub crying, and he remembers that. <laughs> And like, they'll, they'll bring it up and, oh, mom's going to put you in a cold tub. It's kind of a metaphor, you know. And it didn't work. Like, it didn't yeah. fix the problem. So I, I regret coming down hard and some of the hard things that I've said. I'd never regret loving them and showing them more mm -hmm. patience. That's the only advice I have. But it's hard when, when you see a behavior that is not the right direction and you want to fix it. What is the right thing? I don't know. Like, for some kids, they probably do need really firm you know, voices or consequences and other kids will crumble. So that's what makes it so hard. You have to tailor it to each kid. Yeah. But I, I, I say for me, erring on the side of love and patience has been a more comfortable role for me. Um, I My boys are definitely a certain brand and my girls are a certain brand. Mm -hmm. My girls are very strong tempers. They, their bad qualities are their good qualities, right? And the boys are just passive and beautiful and wonderful. The girls are also beautiful and wonderful, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So something that I think, just one piece of advice, and I, I agree with you that you're always, it's about each individual kid, but I have one of my daughters, um, she would have little tantrums or arguments. She'd argue with us. And I am also a strong personality. So I think I would match them. I would try, I would, I would, and I'd one up because I'm smarter. I'm the mom, right? Yeah. So I knew how to like get the jugular and I would, I'm going to win the argument. But I've learned to not, what I, not match them. I, I let them say what they need to say and I'm just really calm about it and it really diffuses. Um, that's not really discipline advice for younger sure kids. Sure it is. I mean, but I think you could use it for younger kids. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, how many times have I been in the store and one of my kids wants something from Target and I say no and I have to take out the baby that's screaming and everyone's like, that child's the worst. But it works. Next time we go to Target, they don't want anything. So I think I think just calmly, mm -hmm. calm, being the calm person really brings them down and letting them have kind of their little moment. So. And I feel like if you can't be calm, it's okay to walk away for a minute, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. leave them in their room or just leave them on a chair for a minute rather than say something you regret. Yes. Let them scream and stomp it out and eventually eventually they'll wander back because in. Because that I agree with you that that's what I regret. I I regret matching them yeah. because I know better, right? They're still learning. Their brains are still developing, but and I'm still learning and my brain is mm -hmm. still developing, but I do know better and I know how to hurt them. 
right? That sounds like I am a mean mom. No, no, you're a human. We've we've all been there where we've done or said something and you're like, oh, I just was so stupid. wish I could take that back. Yeah. So I feel like learning to have that calm response or no response or walking mm-hmm. away is the best. Yeah. Well, I sure. love that you say that they're all different because my daughter, as she's gotten older, I learned that I can like joke with her and be sarcastic and then she realizes she's being a little ridiculous or whatever and we can I diffuse mm-hmm. so many things with humor in our home like just bring it down a notch I think is like my main parenting skill is to mm-hmm. to do it with humor but then my oldest son is incredibly literal and very very logically minded <laughs> and yeah. so it just to him he's like that is doesn't even make sense let alone funny you know and so you have to learn them but um from like a behavior standpoint, so that's kind of my like background, educational background is behavior therapy. And um, every behavior a child has or any person has is usually because of like a need or a want or there is a reason behind every behavior. So I found with like disciplining and parenting and things, if I can try to take a step back and like, okay, what might be some of the reasons? And I think this caller has really little kids. It sounded like baby and a two-year-old. And I had four under four all together. So we were just in it. And and I think that a lot of times a two-year-old has like a reason behind it. And so then when we address the reason, a lot of times we don't need the discipline because we're addressing the reason. And that helps even as they get older is, you know, maybe they just really had a bad day at school and you're their safe place and they're taking it out on you. Or, you know, a two-year-old's tired, hungry, all the things. Mm -hmm. And so I have just worked really hard to take a step back and find a reason and then address that more than... I love that. I think that's really wise. And I think that, like, this is a consensus, too, of don't have an emotional reaction, take a deep breath and a step back. This sincerely just happened to me two days ago. My... One of my adult kids was home, and my teenager, my high schooler, came home and was like, I'm going to this party like later tonight. Like this is what's going on. And I was like, how's that chemistry grade? Uh, Still failing. He was totally honest about it. And I said, okay, so what's your plan for, you know, getting this up? Well, I can, you know, I'm going to retake the test and I can redo this packet. And in my mind, I was like, is this, am I being too lenient? Like just letting no consequences and he's failing a class and he's going to a party. Like I had that, like, like what's going on? I don't know. And I looked over to my adult kid and I said, what should I do? (laughs) I did. I said, am I being too hard or am I letting, is he getting away with something that he shouldn't be getting away with? Like, am I the idiot? And it was so cute. I was just honestly exhausted like mentally i was like i don't i don't know what the right choice is here of like if i should let him go to this party or not and my kid was like oh you're really asking me for okay so i took it super seriously well let me ask some follow up questions and ask the the kid what about this did you do this who is it oh i had that teacher you know, oh, I get it. Oh, yeah, this is, he always does this or it didn't do this or whatever and had like some inside knowledge and then asked some questions and said, okay, so will you do it by that, by tomorrow, first thing, and then do that? Okay, and then he, you know, turned to me and said, I think you should let him go to the party. I think he's going to be okay. And I was like, all right, well, it (laughs) sounds like... You know, I outsourced it. It worked out well. All right. And so went to the party the next day. My son texted me. I retook the test in class today. The packet is in. Everything's good. And I just thought I would have never guessed that that would be my disciplined parenting style five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly not 20 years ago. But here we are. And 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 it's just because I stayed calm and I sort of I don't know, just was very vulnerable with my kids of like, I don't want you to think that failing your classes is okay. I don't want you to like take advantage. You know, I just laid it all out. Well, I think that's a good approach because if you just say, you can't go to the party, they're thinking, mom doesn't want me to have fun. Yeah. Mom doesn't want me to go to the social. She, she doesn't, doesn't understand and me. I'm not going to come to yeah. her. Whereas you're like, okay, well, here's here's the only barrier I see, mm-hmm. which is your grade. And then if, if he could work through it, he could go to the party. So he didn't tell himself a false story that mom doesn't want me to have fun and she wants to ruin my life. So I'll give you an A+. Thanks, You and your older son. 
Let's listen to our next question. Hi, my name is Heidi. I'm a stay-at-home mom with three little kids. I feel like I'm kind of in what Lisa calls Groundhog Day with them, just getting up and getting through and diapers and school and all of these things. Um, I only have three kids, and so I'd love to hear from Lisa and the Council of Moms who have been there or who maybe are there, how you gather together a council, your own, my own Council of Moms, who can support and encourage and help each other to live healthy and full life. Because having little kids is really hard to like deepen and strengthen my marriage when like it seems like all the forces are stacked against me personally with taking care of all of my kids and <laughs> like not feeling like you want to go anywhere and be social with people because it's it's hard to try to keep your kids kind of corralled right um it's really a challenge trying to like get up every day and then still want want to stay married and kind of push to the edges of like what you can handle with all these little kids and I have so I have really great support with a family as far as like babysitting so I get times so I'm a stay-at-home mom but I do get times where people help me by watching my kids but what I found is sometimes that time isn't very helpful unless I'm spending it with other mom friends and we're like trying to collaborate and get a grip on schedules like and so just having time off quote unquote isn't always the thing that's most helpful for me what I found is most helpful is to have something like the council of moms but I kind of lost that with the pandemic my heart goes out for her especially when she's like I only have three kids like oh don't say that that is a lot and you're in it don't you remember just being in it or do you still feel like you're just in the middle of it? I think I think young kids for me were hard because they're they're you're just fulfilling needs sometimes. It's you're feeding them lunch, you're doing so many things for them. It's it does get a little bit it gets a little less mundane as they get older. You kind of change scenery more and you're not doing kind of this it's not the groundhog day situation. I think the days are a little more exciting or there's more variety. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was listening, what came to mind for me is, um, I have this in common with Lisa, is um, my husband and I, I was kind of feeling that way about, gosh, 10 years ago. My dad had just passed away. And I just felt like, who am I? And like, what am I doing? And every day feels the same. And I kind of need a separate moment. And like she was saying, like, you can go to lunch with your girlfriends and do those things, but you almost want something that has more purpose. And so we started an improv group because I did theater growing up. And when you get older and you have a family, you don't really have a lot of time for that. So um, improv's perfect because you can just, like, get a gang of friends and and do it. And that's what worked for me. And it was really fulfilling. And we just do a show once a month at the local community center. Everyone thought we were having a midlife crisis. But it really helped me have, like, just <laughs> precious time that felt like I was building something and felt really individualized. That It really just recharged me, if that makes sense. So I think finding what what did you love before you became a mom that you don't have time to do? Is it painting? Is it you know, and, and if you need a group of people to do it, find people in your neighborhood that like it too and, and do that together. I think that's really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, as that caller was describing it, I, I was like, yeah, that that is so hard when they're they're young and even walking to the mailbox. Uh-huh. You you can't just walk to the mailbox because there might be a kid pulling a drawer down or, you know, pull, whatever in, in the bath or, you know, you, you're just very. It's smothering, honestly, when they're little and you can't have 10 minutes without arranging for everyone before you, you know, have your 10 minutes. And that's hard. And I think sometimes these moms just need some validation. 
that this is this is a tough period. I see you. I support you. Sometimes that's what it is. You know, I, I'm not there anymore. And now I look back, like just this morning, I saw this study. The most important years are ages birth to five. And after that, it's just maintenance. But I know. During I hate birth it when to I five, read studies like that. I'm like, what? It, it I know. It's getting harder. No, I, I know. About? But but also, I, I want young moms to like realize what a special time it is. You never get that time back. Yes, and here's the thing, though. You'll say that to your young mom friends, and they're like, "Ah, if one more person tells me oh, to I like save people a day, telling me that same. and being like, this is not my mom. It goes by real fast. Yes. I know it doesn't feel like it, Lisa, it but does. just like it does. And now she's right, mm-hmm. and I want to say that, but I remember what it felt like when somebody said that to me. Yes, but here's what I've been adding to that advice when I give it to people. I'm not telling you this for you. I'm telling you this for me. Yeah. I am crying so from the dust mm-hmm. and saying, like, I promise, I I can't believe I was just you and I was just these babies. And I blinked and now I'm not. And it's more, I think, I don't know if that helps young moms understand that we really, it's not just something to say. Right. We're really saying it, like, you're really going to take a deep breath yeah. and you're going like to miss I, that. Like, I would pay big money to go back in time same. and spend a day with my young kids. Same, same, same. And to hear the way they said certain words and oh stuff, my gosh, you know. Same. Just but, to go to the park. Oh, right. Just to go to the yeah. Like, your day's I'm like, just, I'm going to get up. We're going to do baths. And we're, I, this is so mean of me because I these young moms, I know how it is. I, I remember feeling that way. But to just go to the park with some ladies from the neighborhood and you bring snacks and you eat some yourself. Like, that but I fun. But I feel like... You know, you pointed out something that's really important, though, is, is that this is why we need each other. And you need mom friends at different phases of life just to give you a little perspective. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're the one giving the perspective, but sometimes someone's giving you the perspective. I mean, really, honestly, there were about 12 years that were super intense with little kids while my husband was working full-time and going to school full-time and had, you know, and directing plays at night. Like, our time was so, like, intense. And I remember thinking, are we going to live like this forever? And it felt like we were going to live like that forever. Obviously, we didn't live like that forever. And and being able to enjoy it in that moment was so significant. And it took other people telling me, I know it's hard and, and crazy, but it's A, what you chose. It's true. You know, and, and B is always going to be changing. So if it's kind of a hard three months, just wait. And then the next three months might be different. Another question that was buried in that busyness was that connection with her husband. Mm-hmm. And I will say that during that time, the non-negotiable is that one-on-one time and finding a way to go out on a date or an overnight trip or something just to be able to have that connection because that relationship can't is also really, really important um, and and paramount to how you parent as well, so ironically. So, so if even, and I remember when we didn't have any money and we just had to trade with other couples for babysitters. And then when we could, I remember I had a friend who was like, you know, you can make an investment in date night and, you know, it's, it's like a, marriage therapy. I mean, really, like if you look at it as that much of a necessity and, and doing that, and I don't regret that, you know, the little trips away, the the dates, the consistency, sometimes it would have to be during the day, like whatever, it didn't matter of, of, of keeping that and like just not giving up in the struggle because it is an intense time, but it's not always going to be like that. Yeah. She also was craving connection with other moms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the young moms of today are a lot luckier than I was. I mean, social media didn't exist when I became a mom. And uh, like right now, one of the apps that I love to use is Marco Polo. My sisters, my sisters and I process, we have a council of moms basically on there where we're talking through our teenagers and our young adults and, you know, a couple of them have younger kids and we laugh and it's not like we can really solve each other's problems, but it is just that little bit of escape of like, okay, someone else kind of knows what I'm going through and at least validated or laughed or cried with me. So I do think it is important, whether it's Marco Polo or FaceTime or, or in person at the park to have have to have a group where you can just kind of let right. down you just share even if they can't solve your problem they at least acknowledge you and yeah. pat you on the head and send you right. send you back to face it again yeah and i think it can be a lonely time i thought that when she was talking i remember feeling lonely and it's a stage sometimes where you're establishing your family and where you live and jobs so there's a lot of moving and i i have a friend that always Something I think it's, it could have been her next question. It wasn't, but is 
who are, where do I find these friends? Yeah. I feel like a lot of moms struggle with, well, there's this one group in my neighborhood and I'm not in that group or feeling left out. I think that's a very real problem. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've all experienced that. And what, what this friend kind of taught me is you just make your group. Like just, you have to, there it comes to a point where you can't wait for the invite. You have to put yourself out there and find your group. And it doesn't have to be people in your exact situation. I really do get my best advice from younger moms, older moms, Single friends have mm-hmm. really, I have single friends who help me with my young adult children all the time. They have the best advice. So I think creating, sometimes just taking that initiative to create your community, I think is really important to be, to be brave and do that. Yeah. When I was in like that really young phase of life and we just like moved into our new neighborhood and our new house and it felt like everyone already had the friends already. And I was definitely struggled with depression and things like that at that time because it just feels lonely. It really does. And like everyone else can have a friend except me. (laughs) And so I decided a couple things. I'm going to first pretend I'm an extrovert. (laughs) Fake it till you make it, right? So I'm going to pretend that that is a skill that I have. And then I just kind of was watchful and looked for other moms who might have be feeling the same way. Like, oh, I noticed that mom doesn't really have a group and that one and that one. And so I kind of started to gather my people, (laughs) you know, be like, hey, do you want to meet at the park or whatever? And we kind of started a play group. And we are like... I, I hope I'm not going to offend my little group of friends because we've all left that neighborhood, but we still come together quite a bit. Um, but I think we kind of define ourselves almost like an island of misfit toys type of a thing <laughs> and very unlikely pairing um, with kids way older or kids way younger and just like a random group. So I like that all of you have kind of touched on like maybe you don't have to find someone with a three-year-old, a one-year-old, no, and a, yeah. you know, just like exactly where you are, but just... F- Look for the people that might be feeling how you are, and you might have to fake it a little, (laughs) fake the extrovert side of you a little bit if that's something that's really important to you. That's what I've really felt like I had. I love this. I love that the natural ending to this conversation is how do you create your own council of moms and the benefit of reaching out to people who you might not think that you would connect with. It it just helps you get new ideas and like a, a a bigger perspective on your own life too, I think. And knowing that things change and are not always going to stay the same. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. This week, our show was produced by Lisa Valentine Clark. That's me, Richie T. Stedman, and McKay Menden. We would love to hear your feedback about the show. You can reach us on our Instagram or Facebook or email us at thelisashow at byu.edu. Next week on the show... When I break it down more intentionally, it's a combination of our habits, our traditions, our purpose as a family, the values that we use to make decisions, the core beliefs that we each have, and the choices that we make because of them. And all of that comes together and creates our family culture. That's next week on The Lisa Show. The Lisa Show.